Today on Let the Bible Speak. Does God consider you a worker in His kingdom? Good morning and welcome to Let the Bible Speak. Thank you so much for joining me today. The first Labor Day holiday was celebrated in New York City in September of 1882. By 1894, 24 states had adopted Labor Day celebrations and in 1894, President Grover Cleveland declared the first Monday of every September a national holiday. We're told it all began as a suggestion from a labor union official who thought workers deserved a day of recognition for their critical role in building America. And of course, America has always depended upon hard workers to make it the country that it became. And while men did not design, plan, or build the kingdom of God, God does commend those who work for His kingdom and His glory, and He promises to reward us. God designed the church in such a way that in many respects it relies upon the work of His people to maintain and expand it in this world. Now that doesn't mean that God is somehow powerless without us, that He is not sovereign, nor does it mean that our work has put God in our debt, but simply that God's design is for His people to work for His cause and thus to help get heaven's will accomplished here on earth. Christ pictured His people as workers in at least one of His parables. In Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1, the Savior said, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers or his vineyard. Now, Jesus goes on to describe how the landowner hired workers at the beginning of the day, but then also hired workers after the day was nearly gone, and how all received the same pay. There's an overall point to the parable, and there are several principles to be gleaned throughout the parable, one of which is underscoring his great kingdom teaching that the last will be first and the first will be last. But for this lesson today, I simply want us to see that Jesus likens us to workers in a vineyard. We don't earn our keep, our work is not meritorious, our labor does not earn salvation or any other benefit from the Master, but He does intend for us to be workers in His spiritual vineyard, and we must be workers in the vineyard if we are to please Him. Not only is that the illustration He draws from in this parable, but there are many other references in the Word of God which teach us that we are to be a working people if we are to please and glorify God. And I want to talk about the vital role of the worker in the Lord's vineyard today and talk about what kind of workers the Master is looking to employ. Our lesson today, Workers in God's Vineyard, after a song.
Work is an honorable thing in the eyes of God, and conversely, laziness and idleness is a sin. The Apostle Paul, who was a scholar and an intellect, even he worked with his hands to make a living in part that he might set an example to the church, not to be lazy. He then said, if a man will not work, neither should he eat, 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. That may sound rather harsh to say, if a man is not willing to work, then let him starve to death. But that's just how God values and how God sees work and the necessity of work. Solomon likewise commended the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, saying, She watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. That's in Proverbs 31 and verse 27. Paul told Timothy that the church is not to support younger widows who can marry or who are yet able to make their way in the world because they will, quote, learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle but tattlers also and busybodies, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 13. That harkens back to the old saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Yes, there's danger in the life of a person who doesn't have constructive work to do, something worthwhile to occupy their time and their hands. They'll get into trouble if they don't have that. If at all physically possible, we're to be working and we're to be productive people and hard work should be celebrated and applauded by society, but especially by the people of God. But we're not merely talking about laboring for our physical bread. We're to be busy workers in the kingdom of the Lord, especially. In the parable we cited in the beginning of the program, Jesus pictured his subjects as being workers put into his employ. And then in a similar vein, in Mark chapter 13 and verse 34, he pictured the kingdom this way, saying, It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Much later, the apostle Paul would plainly tell the Christians in Corinth, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58. Paul also told them in 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1 that he and the other apostles were workers together with Christ. Now there's much work to be done in the kingdom of God. Uh, there's no room for slackers and shirkers. There's much work to be done on a daily basis. The Lord does not save men and women so they can sit idly by and wait to go to heaven one day. Rather, He gave us responsibilities and He gave us tasks to attend to here on this earth. And those responsibilities never cease so long as we live here and the church remains in this world and we're to be diligently about them. What kind of work does God have for us to do anyway? What kind of work does the kingdom of God require? Well, one thing, there's the work of enlarging the borders of His kingdom. That is, to bring souls to Him. And this is a work in which every Christian should be engaged in one form or another. Uh, everybody's not an evangelist. Everybody's not a preacher. Everybody's not a teacher. Everybody's not an elder. Uh, true enough. But all of us are to use what influence we have in whatever way we can in order to garner souls into the kingdom of God. Paul referred to our labors to spread the truth and win converts as our work in 1 Corinthians 3 verses 13 through 15. Are you engaged in that work? Again, you may not be a preacher. You're not expected to be a preacher. But do you use the influence that you have over others in your life as a means of introducing them to Christ and pointing them to the truth? And then there's the work of building up the church from within. We're to encourage and exhort one another, the apostle said in Hebrews 10 verse 25. We are to bear one another's burdens. 
by strengthening the spiritually weak and restoring the fallen, Galatians 6 verses 1 and 2. But not only that, we're to be busy attending to our own growth in Christ and our own conscientious walk in Him. Galatians 6 and verse uh, 6 verses 4 and 5, Paul taught that we have our own work to prove and our own burdens to bear. You see, we're to be busy ministering to the needs of others. As others have said, being the hands and feet of Christ in this suffering world. So there's no shortage of work to do as long as we live and God expects those whom He allows into His vineyard to be about that work. Paul said in Ephesians 2 and verse 10, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What kind of workers is God counting on? You know, anyone who runs a business knows there's much more at stake than just finding people who want a job and a paycheck. The owner or the manager wants good workers. When they hang out the help wanted sign, they usually have a certain quality of worker in mind and they look for that kind of worker. They interview people in hopes of finding that kind of worker. And it's not just knowledge of the field they're looking for. Listen, you can have all of the expertise in the world, but you haven't got much of an employee if he or, if he or she doesn't possess a work ethic, if he or she doesn't possess some characteristics that describe a desirable worker in any field. In fact, the education and training will go a lot faster, sometimes will help take care of itself, if a person, regardless of how little they may know as they began, when they bring to the workplace certain attitudes and certain behaviors, they'll excel, they will go far, and they will win the praise and the appreciation of the person who hires them. But it's only going to be trouble if they don't possess those characteristics. So let's think about some of those characteristics of spiritual workers who please the Master. And ask yourself, does God see you as that kind of worker? First. God wants those who will work obediently, obediently. You know, if a person cannot and will not follow orders and instructions, they will be a problem for any organization. I had an acquaintance who had a hard time keeping a job. It just never seemed to work out. And what the problem ended up being was that she was never content to just go and do what they told her to do. She seemed to always go into the job complaining and criticizing the way the company was run, the way they did things, and deciding very presumptuously that she would just do things her way. Well, as you might imagine, that didn't go over so well. But Christ especially does not need our counsel in how to run His vineyard. I'll grant you there are some businesses that are inefficiently and poorly run, but that's not the case with the kingdom of heaven. Christ doesn't need our input. He knows what He's doing. And He wants workers who will be humbly obedient. Jesus asked in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Now Jesus isn't looking for CEOs to revolutionize the church. He is not looking for consultants to reinvent and refine His message and His mes mission and His method. He is looking for obedient workers. And we work for Him and not ourselves. We are to serve at His pleasure, not our own. We are to do things in the way that He has specified and exemplified in His Word, and not however we see fit. He defines the work that is to be done, and it is His prerogative alone to tell us how He wants it to be done. And He'll reward us in the last day based upon whether we faithfully and obediently did His bidding. When our Lord told the parable of the pounds, as we call it in Luke chapter 19, 
He left his subjects and he told them to do business until he returned. You recall that two of them did as he instructed instructed them to do and one did not. Now the ones who conscientiously did with the money that he left, what he asked them to do with it, were commended by the nobleman in verse 17 by saying, Well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over ten cities. Now notice he described the man here as faithful. He was a good servant because he was faithful. The word Jesus used means, according to Thayer, ones who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. He's faithful because you know he will do his best to follow the instructions of the master. But not only does he want workers who work obediently, he desires those who will work dependably. That word faithful in the parable we just noted also refers to one who can be relied upon. Just like any employer values workers they can count on, well, so Christ desires laborers he can depend on as well. You know, if we treat the kingdom of God, or if we treat it, I should say, our secular job, if we treated the business upon which we depend for a paycheck the way some of us treat the kingdom of God, we wouldn't have a job very long. We wouldn't be getting a paycheck very long. I don't know of anything any business or any supervisor appreciates any more than one who is always at work when he or she is supposed to be and on time and ready to get to work. If they can be there, they'll be there. The same holds true in the vineyard of the Lord. In my years of secular work, it was very frustrating to work with people who could not be depended upon. And I'm not talking about somebody who came down with some serious illness that could not be avoided and, you know, you, you understand situations like that. But I'm talking about the kind of person something always came up. They might be at work and they might not. You just couldn't count on them. And it made it hard, obviously, for that business to operate like it's supposed to. It made things more difficult for those who did show up to work, and it gave the boss a low estimate of their value as an employee. And most companies will only put up with that for so long, and then, well, the person is out. But friend, it's just as serious of a matter when the Lord cannot depend on one in His church as well. Could you be described as a dependable worker in the kingdom of God? Can the church count on you? Is your seat conspicuously empty when for some reason beyond your control you're not able to be present? You know, the apostle said we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as a church in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25. Some of the early Christians were making a practice or a habit of doing just that. Now, one of the meanings of the word forsake there is to leave helpless or in straits. Friend, if you're a Christian, the church depends upon you. It depends upon your presence. It depends upon your influence. It depends upon your work. And you can't criticize the church for not being any stronger, active, zealous, or fruitful than you yourself are because you're just as much a part of it as anyone else if you're a child of God. The word faithful is used again and again to describe the Christian throughout the New Testament. When one is faithful, faithful doesn't mean perfect, but when one is faithful, he doesn't put other things before the service of Christ. When one is faithful, he won't leave the cause of Christ in the lurch. He won't jump ship or run and hide when the work gets difficult or even perhaps dangerous. 
You know, some people, though, they run hot a while, they run cold a while, and usually that depends upon the circumstances in their own life and heart or circumstances at present within the church. But the bottom line is you can't depend on those people. Be thou faithful even unto death, and Christ will give us a crown of life, according to Revelation 2 and verse 10. Are you that kind of laborer, trustworthy, dependable, committed to the very end, regardless of what obstacles, what distractions, what difficulties may arise along the way? But not only does God want those who work obediently and dependably, He also commends those who work eagerly. Here's another characteristic that just about any employer values, a, a worker with a willing and an eager attitude. You can do a lot with an employee like that. A grateful worker who looks for opportunities to make the business succeed. Not to use a cliche, but he's a team player. He wants the company to do well. He realizes he benefits when the company does well. And he does his part. He rolls up his sleeves. He works to help others to pull their weight and to go the extra mile when needed. Who wants to fool with a worker who begrudgingly shows up to work and who complains and murmurs about every task that they're assigned to do? How do you think that Jesus looks at those who complain about the work that He has assigned? Who approach the work of the Christian life grudgingly, bitterly? I would suggest that Christ is looking for laborers who come to work in His vineyard with a grateful and an eager and a willing heart. And I can tell you something else. You'll enjoy the work a lot more when you approach it with that kind of attitude. The day will go much faster. The rewards will be far greater when you put your hand to the plow with a mind to work and a heart to serve. And that's true in the kingdom of God as much as it is anywhere else. Jesus told another parable as recorded in Luke chapter 17, beginning in verse 7. Listen to Christ now. He says, And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat? But will you not rather say to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterward you will eat and drink? Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, We are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. Notice the attitude that Jesus strikes at here. Now here's a man who went out throughout the day and did what was commanded of him. He did an honest day's work in the field. So what's wrong with this picture? Is Jesus somehow saying that we should not do our duty and that that's not a good and commendable thing? Of course not. He's certainly not saying that we're not to do that which we have been commanded to do. What he's showing in this parable is that we're not earning something by our service. Christianity is not a checklist that we just go down and we check all the boxes so far down the list till we feel like we've reached the threshold. That's the way a lot of people treat the Christian life. That's not a valuable worker in the vineyard of the Lord. Whatever reward we're given is ultimately given by grace. But that shouldn't make us sit back and think we must do nothing. Rather, it should make us work all the more and do so with a humble and a grateful attitude. And that kind of attitude will produce the kind of worker that brings glory to God and that makes His kingdom succeed on this earth. Not the kind who grumbles and complains. Not doing the bare minimum to get by. But serving the Lord with all our heart because of what He has done for us. And finally, not only is He looking for those who will work obediently and dependably and eagerly, but also urgently. 
You know, just as there are only so many hours in the day to complete the work that a day demands in the office, the factory, the farm, wherever it may be, in your home, there are only so many fleeting hours left in the day of life on this earth. Time is moving along in its rapid flight and the sun is racing toward the western horizon for us all whether we stop and give that much thought or not. Jesus keenly recognized this fact during His own time on earth. Jesus lived just a little over 33 years. And only three and a half years of that were allotted to His ministry in fulfilling the ultimate purpose of His coming to earth. And He saw that time as precious. He said in John 9 and verse 4, I must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus knew He only had a short time to do the will of His Father. And He set His hand to the task before Him. And He made use of every minute, every hour, every day. He did not waste time. Friend, this life is short and the Christian has only a little time for God to use him here upon this earth. It's an investment. We are stewards of the time God gives us. And Paul thus said, knowing the time, that now it is high time. In other words, Paul is telling these people, wake up. You're wasting time. It's past time. It is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, and therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Romans chapter 13 verses 11 and 12. He said in Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The work of God is serious business, and it's urgent business. And if we do not treat it as such, we may look up one day and say with the people of old, summer is ended, the harvest is past, and we are not saved. I ask, is obedience to the gospel an urgent thing with you? Ananias asked Paul, what are you waiting for? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord, Acts 22, verse 16. If you're a Christian, is the kingdom of God and its affairs urgent as far as you're concerned? Or are you more concerned with making a living, getting by in this world, pursuing the things of earth? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all those other things will be added to you, the Savior taught. Night is coming when no man can work, and therefore we need to be working for the Lord today, night and day. Not only do we need to be working obediently and faithfully and dependably and eagerly, we need to be working urgently. Stand up, stand up for
Subscribe to our YouTube channel to see all of our past broadcasts, plus extra videos, including Let the Bible Speak classics all the way back to the 1960s. And get new updates, go to YouTube and search for Let the Bible Speak TV and click on subscribe. Workers in God's vineyard don't receive days off, and we're not working for a retirement here in this life. If there is such a thing as retirement in the work of the Lord, it's in eternity when we reap the rewards. But even then, we will serve and work for God in His heavenly kingdom forever. But don't look at that as a bad thing. Work is an honorable thing, and work is an exciting and a fulfilling thing if it is profitable, if it's fulfilling, and if it is especially for the glory of God and for the salvation of souls. Are you a worker in the vineyard of the Lord? If you'd like a copy of today's lesson, we'd be glad to send it to you, free of any cost whatsoever, and that's the case with anything we ever make available to you here on the program. Simply ask for the lesson, Workers in God's Vineyard, when you get in touch with us, and we'll get that on its way as soon as we can. Also, I hope that you'll keep in touch with us online. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We have a podcast, so you can listen on the go. And our website is ltbstv.org, and you'll find all of our past broadcasts and transcripts there. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great week ahead, and I hope you'll make an appointment, if God is willing, to meet me back here next time for another Bible study. Until then, have a great week, and may the Lord richly bless you according to His will. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.